Come on, would you put your hands together real quick for Youth for Christ? Youth for Christ is one of those organizations that we partner with, one of many, um, and obviously in some of the local Antioch schools, we're able to do ministry inside those schools. The, the young parent life is what Zenobia and Brian are referring to in regards to our diaper drive, and so we really want to encourage you to do that. And then also the teen life is, is not necessarily, they don't, they don't have kids, it's just more students. And so in August, we'll be taking a, a bunch of them, if not all of them, to kind of a, a, a what is it called, a, a ropes course. And so we'll provide dinner and just a time for them to hang out and have a good time together. And so again, thank you to every person that gives financially to Victory. We're able to do so much in the four walls, trying to provide excellent Sunday ministry for you and your family, but also so much outside of the walls to impacting the local community. Uh, Just a couple of quick announcements before we get into the word. First of all, uh, I want to talk about Friend Day. So on August 13th, not this Sunday, but the Sunday after, we are going to have Bring a Friend to Church Day. Come on, are you excited about that? And, and so it's the first time we've tried this, and so it's just an idea. The reason we're doing this is this, that plenty of statistics have shown that a, a high percentage of people will come to church if they're just invited. And so I, I'm not asking you to invite your friend that already goes to a church and all that. I, I'm saying, who is that friend in your life that needs community, they need hope, and they're looking for it. And, and if they, they've seen your life lived out, they're probably hoping that you would invite them. And so I want to encourage you over the next 14 days, reach out and invite them. We're going to have some special stuff happening that day. First of all, we will have specialty coffee, free of charge, cold brew, different things like that. I think that's what it's going to be. I don't drink coffee, but it's going to be great. Uh, and so bring your friends so they can do that. And then we'll also we'll be launching a brand new series called Who You Gonna Call? And it's, it's about worry and anxiety in our life and a prayer concept. We're going to go through the book of Daniel. And so we'll be beginning it that Sunday. So do me a favor over the next 14 days, pray and then let the Lord lead you and invite that particular friend or friends uh, to join you on that day, August 13th. Also, I want to bring attention to the QR code that's on the chair in front of you. That's the way for you to take a next step. We believe that God is, is moving us to living a victorious life. And so after the service today, if you're wanting to start following Jesus, if you'd like to sign up to be baptized in water, if you'd like to start one-on-one discipleship, reading plan, all kinds of different things, if you'll just scan that QR code, it'll send you a form you can fill out and then our team will contact you this week and help you start taking those next steps. Uh, last but not least, next Sunday, Darla and I will not be here if I say, oh, oh, boo, or say boo, okay. <laughs> Never been booed at church and enjoyed it, but there we go. Um, and so, but, but don't worry, one of our really good friends, Willie Simpson, will be here bringing the word. We're excited he's on staff at LifePoint Church in Clarksville, our parent church. This guy, his heart is big. His smile is as big as this room. Uh, he, he's over their life groups. He took their life groups from 40 life groups to 400 life groups. Isn't that amazing? And so he's going to come and get us ready for our small group season. Darla and I got invited to go and communicate, preach the word, and be with our mentors in Oklahoma that weekend. And so thank you for letting us be able to do that. We're so excited to spend the weekend with them and be fed and and be able to have the opportunity to preach the word. But you guys are going to be in great hands with our team and with Willie. And then we'll come back on the 13th and launch this series that I am, I'm so excited about it. I, I, it's weird to be in one series and be excited about that series, but then be excited about the next series. So I don't really, I just, ah, I don't know what to do. So that's not a problem you have to worry about. It's just my problem, but all right, here we go. So we've been in a series called Patterns. Y'all been enjoying this series? Huh? All right. And so we're bringing it to a close today. And I feel like we're going to do a really good job kind of putting a bow on it and prepping it and, and kind of having it for us moving forward in the future. Uh, 
Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 are what we founded the, the series on. So if you're visiting today, this is what we founded the series on. It says, therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so looking through the filter of God's mercy and grace, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, give your life to Jesus. Thinking through not religion, not, not legalism, not, not out of a have to, but out of a want to. Give your life to Jesus because of his love and his mercy and his grace for this is your true and proper worship. He goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So he's letting us know that there is, in fact, patterns in this world that if we're not careful, we just kind of adopt and live in. He says, but instead be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul says there is, in fact, a pattern in this culture, and there's multiple patterns, I believe, that we can adopt, and they'll lead us into negative outcomes that we don't enjoy. And he says, but we don't have to be stuck in them. We can change. We can experience transformation. We can get rid of those patterns and start new patterns. And I want to kind of cap this series off today from this idea, I can't help myself. Everybody say, I can't, I can't. Help, help myself. myself. Anybody relate to that? Anybody been there? You've been in a moment where you just, no matter what, you couldn't help yourself. Uh, a couple of months ago, I got the opportunity to, to meet with a young man in the church that I'm discipling, and we, we went to a place that had rolls as kind of, I think every great restaurant should have some type, chips, rolls, burgers, whatever. They should bring something out to your table before your food gets there, you know, just to help you. And, and, and this, this place had rolls, and they brought out the rolls with the butter and everything. And, but, but in this particular time frame, I was trying to eat better during the day. Uh, I was trying to eat light. And so they brought the rolls, and they set them on the table, and I'm looking at them. And I looked at the guy I was eating lunch with, and I said, how many of those are you going to eat? And you could tell it caught him off guard. Like, he didn't know if maybe I was trying to eat all of them, you know, like he was, like, normal. And he's like, I'm trying to figure out. And so he goes, I don't know, maybe one or two. And I said, all right, do me a favor. Take, take two out and put them on a plate over there. And he does. And then I called the waitress back, and I said, do me a favor. Take the rest of these with you. Like, like just get them away from the table. And you could see his face like, hey, you know, and I'm like, get over it, sir. I'm looking out for you. But I just knew that if those rolls stayed on the table, I would not be able to help myself. I knew that even though I don't want to partake of the holy manna of God, um, that I wouldn't be able to stop myself. And so I just said, look, you got to get these off the table. We've been talking in this series about these areas of our life, these temptations, these negative patterns that we're wanting to change. And no matter how hard we try, we have not been succeeding at changing. And so we've been walking through how to do that practically based off of Scripture. So week one, we talked about before we ever worry about what we do, let's focus on who we are, right? So instead of getting overwhelmed by the fact that we're not doing something, let's, be let's reestablish the fact that we are a daughter of the king, a son of the king, a child of God, and let's have our identity influence our behavior. Week two, we talked about having a healthy fear of God and not, not scared of God, but having an all, A-W-E, of God, and that all of God influencing uh, the way we live our life. Then we talked about instead of trying, let's start training. Instead of just waking up and, and trying to do something, let's put into place processes where we could train ourselves to live like we want to live. And then last week, we brought in the idea of let's establish good godly habits Instead of walking around hoping, a lot of us wake up and we hope to have a better marriage or we hope to be a better Christian or we hope our finances be better. And instead of hoping, let's establish good habits 
so that it'll happen. <clears throat> and then I want to finish with it today talking about how in order for us to see the change that we want to see, we need to stop relying on our willpower and we need to start relying on God's power. The Bible says that it was the power of God that resurrects Jesus Christ from the grave. Jesus dies for our sins and he resurrects literally from the grave, dead, rise. And it's that same power, it's a power that could raise a man from the grave that is the same power that's available to you and I. So therefore, because that power is available, no situation is hopeless. There's no situation that's impossible. There's no pattern in your life. There's no addiction in your life. There's no temptation in your life that you can't overcome because of the power of God. Not out of your own power, but because of the power of God. If he can resurrect a man from the dead, then he can resurrect a dead marriage. He can resurrect a dead bank account. He can resurrect any mental problems, physical problems. He can resurrect it in his power. What I'm trying to say is we serve a powerful God. He's a powerful God. And I think sometimes in the Christian world, we can get caught up in treating God more like this, you know, this judgmental being who sets up in heaven and watches us and keeps us into motion. And we forget that he is a God of power and that that power is available to you and me. His influence isn't limited to one area of our life. It's important for you to because I think it's very easy to assume and understand that we look to God for spiritual transformation, right? If we want help in our prayer life, if we want help in our spiritual life, we, it's real easy to assume that we would go to God for that. But in the same way, it's God that we go to. He's our source of power for physical transformation, for mental transformation, for emotional transformation, and for even financial transformation. For every area of our life, that we want to see transformation, the only source that we're going to see long-lasting success with is God. It's the power of God. Nothing is impossible for those who trust in the power of God to accomplish the will of God. Nothing is impossible. In Romans chapter 7, this is one of my favorite set of scriptures in the Bible because Sometimes if you're not careful, you'll be raised up in a church and believe that Scripture is above you. You'll start to think that Scripture is so holy and so uh, long ago and so ancient that it's not really applicable to your life today. <clears throat> but Paul is talking to the church in Rome, and he's walking through the fact that he himself is struggling, that, that, that the flesh in him, that he's got one kind of desire that is wrestling with another desire, and the way he lays it out is so practical for you and I. If you've never read these scriptures, you are about to be excited because you're going to see a reflection of yourself in scripture. If you have read these scriptures before, you're about to be reminded that you don't read this enough because we can get so caught up in day-to-day -day and performance-driven perfection that we forget what Paul said to us in Romans 7 that should be a part of our life's foundation. So I'm going to read it to you. It's going to be about nine verses, Romans chapter 7. I encourage you to turn in your Bible, turn on your phone, obviously our app, and of course it'll be on the screen. But I want to break it down and walk through it a little bit slowly so that we can really, really grasp it. Paul opens up. He says, I don't understand myself at all. Anybody caught already? Anybody agree? Right, right off the bat, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand me. 
For what I really want to do is right. What, what, I, what I want to do is right. But I can't. I do. Instead, I do what I do not want to do. What, what I don't want to do, I do. And I do, watch this, what I hate. Not only am I doing what I don't want to do, I'm doing what I hate. He goes on to say, I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong. And my bad conscience, I love this, my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws that I'm breaking. He's saying the spirit of God in me, the fact that I feel like it's wrong, the fact that I feel like it's icky, the fact that I feel like I need to do it behind closed doors, that's evidence that I agree that this is wrong. He says, but I can't help myself. (laughs) I can't because I'm no longer, it's me no longer who's doing it. It's the sin inside me. The sin inside me is stronger than I am, and it makes me do these evil things. He said, I know I'm rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. He says, I want to. He's just honest, I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. When I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's plain where trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. He says, it seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Can anybody relate to Paul in this moment? He says, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. So far as this new nature, I I love to do God's will. But there's something else deep within me in my lower nature that's at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. He says, in my mind, I want to be God's willing servant. But instead, I find myself enslaved to sin. So you see how it is? My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside of me loves to sin. He says, oh, what a terrible predicament that I'm in. Who is going to set me free? Who is going to make this stop? Who is going to give me the power to set me free from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? It's powerful words, church. There is a theological debate going on on whether or not Paul wrote this as looking back on his life pre-salvation or whether or not he's talking about his current life as a believer. Now, that is a debate that we'll probably never actually have 100% uh, uh, information on being the fact that he is no longer alive. But I'm going to tell you this. I consider myself to, believe, to be a believer in Jesus Christ. I consider myself to be a Christian who loves God, and every word of that made sense to me. As I read it, the reason why I'm so passionate to give it to you is because I'm reading it going, is he reading my mail? Is he, is he in my house? How does he know what I'm dealing with? These moments where I want to do better, these moments where I don't want to do what I'm doing, but no matter how hard I try, 
I can't stop because the God in me wants to do it, but the sin in me, or the God in me doesn't want to do it, but the sin in me wants to do it. And he gets to the end of the rope and he goes, I'm trying, I'm trying hard, but I'm failing. Who's going to rescue me? Who's going to save me from this? Because no matter how hard I try, I keep doing what I don't want to do. You see, willpower is a limited resource. It can be there, but it doesn't last very long. And a lot of times what will happen is you and I will take this this burst of motivation and we will mix it with a little bit of willpower and we'll actually begin to make progress for a little while. But it doesn't last. Eventually, willpower wilts. You, you might get excited and all of a sudden you have this burst of motivation and you've got a little bit of willpower. So you mix them together and you start to actually see change, but it doesn't last. For example, we've all said, I'm going to start this diet, right? We've all said, I'm no longer going to eat that. And what happened was we had a moment, a, a burst of motivation. We saw something, an old picture of ourselves, right? We saw a discount at the local gym. We saw something that created this motivation. And we took the little bit of willpower that we had and we married them together. And we stepped up and said, I'm going to do this. But after a couple of days, we failed. And because we failed to do it, we brought condemnation on ourselves, And out of feeling condemned, we just decided we'd stop doing it all together. And it's funny because I've found that once we stop doing it all together, it actually seems to come back worse. We've all been, we've all said, I'm not going to talk like that anymore. I'm not going to spend money like that anymore. I'm not going to treat my loved ones like that anymore. I'm not going to fall into culture's temptation like that anymore. I'm not going to think like that anymore. We've all had a moment where we, where I got excited Felt like I had the strength, felt strong, was motivated, read a Bible verse, attended a church service. We saw something, and we walked out and said, I'm going to do this. And for a couple of days, we did. For one day, or for maybe even a week, we actually succeeded. We woke up every day early and read our Bible. We went to the gym every day after work and worked out. We succeeded, but then at some point, something happened, and we didn't succeed, and then we condemned ourselves for not succeeding, and then we stopped, and now all of that guilt brought it on, and now it's worse than it was before. And this is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I've tried. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I hate it. I hate it. That's God's spirit in me. You and I, listen, when I got saved, all of a sudden there were things that I didn't like anymore that I liked pre-Jesus. And as you meet Christ, as you come to church, as you learn the word of God, you will start to hate the things that God hates. Not people, but sin. It's the God in you that hates it. It's why you start to feel like, I don't like, the, I don't like how what I said made them feel. That's the God in you. I don't like how I responded to the person. That's the God in you. I don't like that I gave in to that weakness. That's the God in you letting you know that you hate it. But watch this. But I do it anyway. That's the flesh in you. The God in you hates it. The flesh in you does it anyway. And so we're like Paul. We're saying, is this just some kind of pattern that's going to exist in my life until the day I die. I think a lot of Christians believe that this is just what Christianity is. That we go to church and we wake up and we live in this weird kind of, you know, uh, back and forth. Pull, what, what's that game? Tug of war. 
type aspect of I don't want to do, but I do do, I do want to do, but I don't do, and that we're just going to live life this way. And, and listen, if that's the case, why be a Christian? Might as well give in to one side instead of continuing to feel bad about what you're doing. But Paul says, I don't want to live like this. He says, I don't want to keep doing what I don't want to do and not doing what I want to do. I want to be set free. He says, who can help me? And goes on to say, Jesus Christ can help me. I got saved around that 17, 18 years old, and my, my family was not in church. Uh, I had very few friends that were in church. The only friend I had that was even a Christian was the friend who invited me to church, and I just didn't have a lot of atmosphere around me that was godly atmosphere. I didn't listen to godly music. I didn't watch godly TV shows. Like, I just had no influence, but I get saved, and I start going to church, and I start understanding the Bible, and the God in me now wants to change, and now the things that I used to go through in life and face without even second-guessing it, now it bothers me. I I used to walk around and, and drop cuss words like it was no big deal, and it never even made me blink an eye, but now it bothers me. I used to have thoughts about other people in certain ways that were, that were disrespectful to them, and, and, and it never bothered me. Now it, now it bothers me. There's temptations I'm giving into that, that never once bothered me pre-Christ, but, but now they're bothering me because there's the God in me that's saying, this is not for you. This is not the best God has for you. This is a pattern you need to get rid of and establish with a godly pattern so you can experience the better that God has for you going, but I'm trying, right? Am I talking to the wrong people? Have you ever been there? Like, I'm trying, but every time I try, I fail. And so I guess this is just where I am. I guess I'm just stuck here. I guess I'll come to church, get motivated. By Tuesday, I'll fail. Wednesday through Saturday, I'll be miserable, and I'll come back in and just try it all over again. Hear me. Paul's problem was not the lack of desire. He wanted to do what is right. His problem was not the lack of knowledge. He knew what was wrong and what was right. Paul's problem was the lack of power. Paul is literally saying in Romans 7, I keep trying to do this and I keep failing. Listen to me. Your problem is not a lack of desire. The God in you wants to do better. The God in you wants to change. The God in you wants to be a better spouse, a better parent, a better child, a better person. The God in you wants to change. You don't lack desire. You want to do what's right. In the same way, you don't lack knowledge. You know what's right. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. What happens when we don't change is we don't lack desire or knowledge. We lack power. We lack power. This is what Paul's saying. In Romans chapter 7, he uses the word I like 40 times. I, 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 It's like 40 times. When he gets to Romans 8, which is the answer for Romans 7, he no longer uses I. He uses God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. 
What Paul recognized between verse 7 or chapter 7 and chapter 8 is that it wasn't a lack of desire. He loved God. He wanted to do better. It wasn't a lack of knowledge. He knew what to do. It was a lack of the ability to do it. He said, I can't do it. And then we get to chapter 8 and he goes, but it's not about me. It's about God through me. And if I can acknowledge that it's not I, it's him, then I will begin to see change. Look, I know power is a spiritual world word. I know that sometimes if you're new to church, you don't really get this God power thing, but I'm telling you, it's the same power. Romans 8, 11 says the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now alive in your mortal body. So you don't have to understand it. All right. I don't know about you. There's lights on right now. I'm talking to you through a microphone. People watching us online. I don't know how it works. I don't need to know how it works. Andrew might know he can keep it to himself. I don't need to know. Just turn the lights on, right? Make my microphone work. That's all I need you to do. God says, I don't need you to understand supernatural power. I just need you to come to me for it. And I'll give it to you. Amen. A couple years ago, Darla and I go out to, we need a lamp for the living room. We're trying to get a lamp, you know, for, to, for living for light. That's what lamps are for. And so we, we go to a bargain hunt because we're cheap. And so we're in bargain hunt. Or maybe, you know, or... We're normal. Let's put it that way. And, and so, so we're in Bargain Hut, and we get this lamp, and we take it back to the house. And it, and it looks great. It looks great for the, for the living room layout and everything. And we plug it in, and we turn it on, and it's on. And then like a day later, it just stops working. And we're like, ah, oh, you know. But it looks so good in the living room. It's like it doesn't work. It doesn't actually provide any light in the living room. But it looks good. You know what I mean? It goes really well with the color pattern and the setup. So we're like, ah. Let's just leave it. So for two years, y'all, two years in our living room, we have a lamp over to the right that doesn't work. It's just people will come in and be like, you want more light? I'm like, nah, it's, it's too much light. Leave it alone. <laughs> so a couple years go by, and I can't remember if it was her or her mom, but somebody finally breaks down and says, we need to actually have a working lamp in the living room. So they buy this working lamp. We get it from a real store. And so we get it. We get it in the house, and we go, and we plug it up. We get ready, and we turn it on, and it doesn't work. And we're like, wait a minute. This is weird. This is not kind of like, you know, it's not a hand-me-down situation. We got it from the store. Like, it should, it should work. We're going to have to return it. And so Donna said, hold on one second. So she, she unplugs it, and she takes it over to a different part of the house and plugs it into a different socket, and it turns right on. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> we're like, wait one second. So we unplug that, put it back on. We go and get the one from Bargain Hunt, and we bring it back in, and we plug it into that socket, and we turn, and it comes on. We had been sitting there for two years with a lamp that doesn't work, just in the dark. Like, baby, are you here? I'm not sure. Like, which one are you? Veda, Darla, Casey, just, what's your height? You know what I mean? Like, like we're we just in the dark. We don't know. Just sitting there, settling for less than, because it's plugged into an outlet that doesn't work. Here's what I'm telling you, that sometimes in life we are settling for less than God has for us because we are plugged into something that does not have sufficient power for what God's doing in our life. So we need to plug into God. I don't know how it works, but I'm telling you, he is enough. He's enough. And what we don't want to do is just sit there and say, well, you know what? It's not the best God has for me, but I guess it's just the cards I was dealt. No, maybe we're plugged into the wrong places. Maybe we should keep checking. Here's an outlet to check. Let's check God. Yeah. Let's check the power of God. 
If he says he'll do it, he'll do it. But if we're not careful, that becomes too supernatural, too spiritual, too churchy. And so what do we do? We just keep trying it ourselves. Well, maybe if I try harder, or maybe if I'll keep hoping. You know, I don't, maybe, you know, people tell me it's perseverance. If we just keep on trying, maybe we'll try a different church, right? Maybe we'll try a different version. Like, we'll just, we keep trying whatever we can try, realizing that you are not, you, you do not have the power that is sufficient enough to change the areas in your life that you want to change. But the power is available. You just have to recognize it and take it. So, so I'm praying through this, and I'm like, all right, if this is how we're going to wrap this series up, because it, it's, you know, in the middle, we've got all these practical steps, but the bookends are, are very spiritual. The, the, the beginning is who you are in God, and now we're talking about the power of God. And so it's kind of the bookend of the practical in the middle, if you notice. So the whole thing together is just a sweet meal. You can just enjoy it all. KFC, chicken, mashed potatoes, biscuits, green beans, it's the whole deal. Enjoy it all, right? But here's my thought, okay. How? How do you unlock the power of God in your life? What are the practical steps for that? Because I don't want you to have that burst of motivation and then walk out of here and confuse God's power for your power and then a couple days from now be right back to where you were and say, my Troy is a liar. This church thing isn't real. This God thing isn't real because I tried it. But did you? What does it actually look like to embrace the power of God? So I want to give you three quick things, all right? Three quick things. Number one is this. We need to recognize. In order for you and I to be able to embrace the power of God, we are going to have to recognize that we cannot do it on our own. Now, for the control freaks in the room, this bothers you. For the non-control freaks, this liberates you. But I'm trying to set you free. I want you to understand that you have to arrive at a point. It may take some humility. It may take you uh, crucifying your pride. You have to arrive at a place that says, I cannot do this on my own. I can't. That when you find yourself in a moment of temptation and weakness, stop and recognize you weren't even meant for this battle. This is not a battle you were ever meant to win by yourself. You were always supposed to be plugged into the power of God. But it takes humility. And, and I, it was funny, uh, Father's Day, we showed a testimony video from my dad. And I love, he said this in the video. He said um, that, that it was hard for him to let go and give it all to God because he saw it as running up a huge bill and then just handing the ticket to God and going, here, you pay for this. And some of us feel that way, that like, Running to the power of God or giving in to the power of God is our way of saying, God, we messed it up. Now you fix it. And what I love is my dad says in the video, he goes, I found out that's exactly what God wanted me to do. He doesn't care who ran up the bill. He's in the position to fix it. And I think he's excited when his children realize that we cannot do it without him. If you're a parent in the room, there's never been a moment in your life where you were upset because your kids included you. Never. For me, that's my happiest moment because I realize they know I'm alive. <laughs> I love it when they need me, when they recognize that they can't do it on their own and they come to me and ask for help. That's a great moment as a parent. And what I'm telling you is God designed us to be parents so the way we feel about our children is the way he feels about us. 
And so when we run to him in need of something, go, go back real quick. Sorry, I'm gonna, I haven't read that verse yet. But when we run to him in need of something, we recognize that we can't do it. God loves it. Watch this. Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly. I'm going to hold that word for a second. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need. need. I really want to focus on that word boldly for a second. Because again, and, and anytime I preach to you out of a heart of, of what legalism could look like or what religion could look like, it's coming from an experience where I lived it for years. And so if we're not careful, we'll, we'll picture this, this. Here's how we'll picture this exchange with God. Me coming to God as someone who's failed trying to change, now asking God for his power. It's, it's a broken, it's a, God, I'm so sorry. Like, God, I, can't, I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. You, I'm, I, know, I know I'm a failure. I know you think that I'm the weakest of your kids because they could probably do it and I can do it. God, I'm sorry. And that's not the way God wants us to approach. He says approach with boldness. Understand that you're approaching a God who loves you and had the grace ready. Had it set aside knowing you would come. I said this in first service. Now, uh, real quick, anytime you go over to a friend's house and you want something to drink, and you're trying to, you, you do something like this, like, excuse me, can, can, I, can I have a bottle of water or something to drink? And they're like, sure. And like, well, do, do you mind getting it for me? Because this is your house, not my house. And so they go and get it from the fridge. But then when you go to your parents' house, right, or one of your siblings' house, you don't even acknowledge them. You walk in the front door, right up to the fridge, open the fridge, and grab what you want. Why? Because that's your father's fridge. And God's saying, when you come and you need grace, approach it with boldness. Don't be worried about what? No, open the door and get the grace that you need. Get the power you need because I'm your daddy. I stocked the fridge knowing you would come and need it. Man, that's a picture. And I didn't even think about that in first service. A parent, any of you parents who you stock the fridge because you know your grandkids are coming? You stock the pantry because you know your grandkids are coming? You spend all that money for sweets because when they get to your house, you want them to enjoy themselves. And God says, I've got a refrigerator and a pantry full of grace and full of power and full of love and full of mercy. And when you walk in, get it, grab it, take it. It's yours. It's yours. Recognize. Recognize. God, I can't do this without you. I can't be a husband without you. I can't be a father without you. I can't be a pastor without you. I for sure can't be the man of God I want to be without you. I can't handle finances without you. I can't help you. I can't have right thoughts without you. God, I need you. Recognize. Number two is unplug. Unplug. When, when you find yourself in a place where you are feeling temptation and it's areas where you failed before, unplug from that situation and run and hide in God. Find a way to retreat and hide in God. Psalm 119, 114 said, you are my hiding place. <laughs> I love that. Here's a question for you. What's your hiding place? When you fail and you make mistakes and you find yourself back at the beginning, where do you go and hide? I, I wanted to say this last week. I didn't have enough time. I think sometimes we hide in our habits. That, that whatever those bad habits are, that's where we run to when we find ourselves. When we've tried something new, when we've tried to live for God and we fail, we run back to those old habits. And I hear the Spirit of God saying, don't run back to those old habits. Run to me. Hide in me. Earlier this week, I was thinking about that for a moment. I thought, you know what? Sometimes you can hide in God through a worship service, right? Like you came on a 
Thursday night and you worshiped God and it was great. Sometimes you don't have that much time, so you have to hide in a song on Spotify while you're driving down the street. And sometimes you don't even have that much time. What do you do right when I was thinking about this in between services? What do I do when I'm trying to hide in God in the moments right there? I think I just go, Jesus, help me. There's prayers in the Bible. They're not even words. They're just sounds. <laughs> right? Just, just, just something that you're acknowledging, God, I need you. Unplug me from this situation. I want to hide in you. I don't want to hide in my habits. I don't want to hide in my friends. I don't want to hide in my parents. I don't want to hide in religion. I don't want to hide in my church. I want to hide in you. The next time you're facing a moment where you have failed before and you're trying to change, instead of throwing your hands up and feeling condemned, Paul said, Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's saying, hey, don't, don't get condemned. Don't run and hide. What, what, what's the first thing Adam and Eve did when they, when they realized they were naked, right? And the Bible says they what? Hid from God. And God showed up. He said, where are y'all? Where are y'all? Not because he didn't know where they were. It was a rhetorical question. So God's saying to us, hey, don't, don't be hiding from me. I found out a lot of times in my life, some of my greatest friends, when they start falling away from God, they'll hide from me. Hide in God. Listen to me. Don't run away from church. Run to church. Don't run away from your Bible. Run to your Bible. Don't run away from prayer and worship and godly friends and mentors and people who hold you accountable. Run to them. Hide in the things of God. When, for some reason, we think there's this, this, like we have that letter, that big A. What is it? The scarlet letter? Is that what it? Right, that we have, it's all over us because we're failure. I'm going to let you in on something. You want a good secret? Everybody in here is a failure. Everybody. We've all failed at something that we're trying to do that we try to do on our own. There, we got that? We're clear? All right, we can all be friends. Let's run to God. Let's not be ashamed of our failure, but let's be excited about the fact that God's power, if we return to it with the power of God, we will defeat it. So run and hide in God. Plug yourself up. I'm just going off the dome right now. I mean, we're not even on notes. Just go plug yourself up into the charger. You know what I mean? Like, like unplug from the things that are not powerful, the things that are not working. Unplug for a second and plug up to God. Recognize you can't do it and run to him. Let him help you. Last is, is new nature. So you recognize that you can't do it on your own. You, you unplug from the world. You plug into God. And then as a result of that, you start to experience a new nature. Now, listen to me on this, okay? You're going to have a hard time accepting this. When you plug into God and you stay plugged into God, the Bible says, remain in me. When you stay plugged into God, over time, you will change. You will you'll start to experience a new nature. I got saved around 17, 18. I've been saved for 20 years. There was never a moment in my life, I can't pinpoint a moment in my life where I did something unique or special and said, you know, outside of my prayer life, like, oh, this is going to make me change. It's been 20 years of pursuing God. It's been 20 years of reading one verse, reading chapters, you know, going through Bible studies and been, been 20 years of praying short prayers and long prayers and sounds. <laughs> it's been 20 years of going to church. It's been 20 years of surrounding myself with people who love God. It's been a 20-year process, but watch this. At 38 years old, I look back at 18-year-old Troy and I go, we aren't the same people. I, I don't know what happened. I can't explain it to you, but there's a new nature in me. Change has happened in me, but I, I recognized it and I plugged into God and I stayed Stayed firm in God. 
I feel the Spirit of God telling you, listen to me, this is just for you. you. Plug in, plant. Do everything you can to be close to God. Don't have one foot in and one foot out. Don't all come whenever it's convenient, read it whenever it's convenient. Listen, that's never going to bring change in your life. But if we will plug into God, plant ourselves in the presence of God, you, I promise you, you will see change. I promise. Second Peter 1.4 says this, And because of his glory and his excellence, please catch that, not your glory and not your excellence, because of his glory and his excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable us to share, watch this, his divine nature. God doesn't just save you and then go, hey, go figure it out. Hey, you're saved. Boop, enjoy yourself. When we give our heart to Jesus, we share in God's divine nature. We share it. And that's where the transformation, and look what the Bible says, and we get to escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. That's a promise from the Bible, y'all. That if we will recognize that we can't do it on our own, if we'll plug into God, that we will then begin to share the nature of God and that nature of God will help us not accept and, and be formed into the corruption that comes with being a human. It's important. I was thinking through all of this as I always do, and how are you going to take it, and how are you going to apply it? And the Lord, as he always did, give me, does, gave me a little moment I wanted to share with you. First of all, let me say this. We got a lot of young families in our church. It's a really sweet time. Our church is exploding. We're, we're already getting ready for the fall. It's so great. And here at Victor, you believe growing the church the old natural way, right? And, uh, and we've done that well, apparently. And there's a lot of young families, and it's always fun because Darla and I, having older kids, and a lot of our leadership who have older kids, we can share life with them. We can walk through, here's what to expect, and here's what to be ready for, and here's how to be a great dad, be a great mom, and letting them realize that you're fine, you're doing great. And so I thought it'd be cool to just kind of share real quick one idea right here from the stage that all of you parents, you're pregnant, you got, you got young kids, that is going to be able to be a great thought for the rest of your life living forward. Now that you have kids, you will never, ever, enjoy a peaceful time in the bathroom ever again. You'll never have an alone time in the bathroom. Never again. Am I right, parents? Am I right? Like, that's gone. Like, if, if there's a moment where you enjoy being in there and you think you might take 20, 30 minutes and just kind of peacefully get away, like, so that's gone for you. It's done. It's done. It's never happening again. Like, like from now on, when you go to use the bathroom, it doesn't matter how private you want it to be, they don't know how to knock. And they don't care, okay? All they care is whatever they got going on is more important than the fact that you are having a, a physical experience, and, and they don't care. And so they're coming in your bathroom, knocking, coming in, going, what are you doing? And then asking you for something. Just get ready for it. It's going to happen. And, and, and I, I had this revelation as I was processing being a parent. And it's funny because some of the things that you hope for, some of the things you pray for end up being some of the things you regret you asked for, right? So I'm like, I can't get any peace. But then I remember when my kids were younger and they would do something and I would wish that they would come to me for help. But they were young and they were hard-headed and so they always wanted to do it themselves. But I wanted them, I wanted them to recognize that they couldn't do it on their own 
and to come to daddy and say, hey, can you help me? It, it, it made me feel good. It made me feel like I was, had purpose in, in their life and that they needed me. And it's great. But then that happened. Then they recognized that any time ever that they need anything, instead of doing it themselves, they could just come find dad. Come find mom. Mom, dad, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And it's funny because then as a parent, you start to go, oh my goodness, would you do something by yourself, you know? Because this flesh in us. But I felt the Spirit of God tell me this. He said, you need to understand that your kids have recognized that any time that they have a problem or a situation that they are not strong enough to solve, they run to you. And that's just a sweet revelation. And I think for you and I, we have to get to a point where it's a habit, where it's just normal that anytime we're facing a situation that we're not strong enough, we run to him. We just run to him. I don't know if you caught it, but when you're dealing with something, when you've got patterns that you want to change, when you're in a situation in your life where the temptation is too strong and you keep on feeling, I told you, number one, to recognize recognize that you can't do it on your own. Number two, I told you to unplug and plug into God. Number three, I told you you'd find new nature if you would just run. Catch it? Everybody in this room, stand with me for a moment. I want to encourage you. I want to give you just a few moments with the Lord. Whatever your situation is, whatever pattern you continue to find yourself in, whatever change you've, maybe you're like Paul, right? And you've been saying this a lot. God, I don't want to do, but I do. And I want to do, but I don't do. Who's going to rescue me from these chains? Who's going to rescue me from this wretched man? And he goes on to say in the very last verse in chapter 7, Jesus Christ will. So we run to God. We run to the Father. And as the song says, we fall into grace. I love that. We fall into grace. That if we'll recognize, God, I can't do I can't be a great dad without you. I can't be a great husband without you. I can't be a great person without you. I need you. I recognize that I have to have you. And so I unplug from the world and I plug into you and I trust your process. And I know that you're doing a good work in my life. And in the end, I will see change. Is that you this morning? Do me a favor, close your eyes right now. Come on, will you just begin to ask him? Just begin to present to him right now your situation. The area of your life, you say, God, I've been trying to change it so long, and I'm tired, and I'm exhausted, and no matter how many times I try, I don't succeed. And so, God, I come to you broken. I need to be delivered. I need to be saved. I need to be set free. I'm running to you right now, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray in this place that you just begin to grip the hearts of your children. That every situation, Father, that's evident right now through your Holy Spirit. Lord, for the mother, for the father, for the parents, for the single mom, Father, for the student, for the person who's struggling financially, for the person who's holding on to a dream, 
for the person who can't seem to set, be set free of temptation, of addiction. Father, can we just run to you right now? Come on, however you would do it, you can put your hands in the air, you can hit your knees, whatever you need to do to just run to God in this place. Come on, make it a moment of recognition that you need him. Say, I need you, Father. I need you, Father. Come on, let's just begin to worship.